Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, James omitted the most important thing from his sports update. What was that? Tiger Woods tees off at Bridgestone oh. here in about 23 minutes, gentlemen. Go. Max and so, Phil uh, about need... to uh, tune out of a show they're about yeah. to be on. Yeah, if you need intern Max or myself anytime yeah. for the next four hours, uh, you'll have to nudge us. You and me, James. Have we got four hours. We got subscribe, don't we? Is it PGA.com or something? I, I got us covered. I, I, <laughs> oh. I, I, will, I will be pulling it. Max knows exactly where it's on. Max is like, We've I, lost the intern, I, I, and he's so, taken tomorrow off already. I've got the guy. Ding, ding. Three-day week for Max. <laughs> Fourth time, Yasmani Grandal is homered against Chase Anderson, and now it's Dozier hitting a fly ball to center. Kane is back at the wall. Welcome to L.A. Brian Dozier. We're tied in the fifth. His first with the Dodgers and his second at bat. The Dodgers go back to back and even the score at two. All right, do you regret it yet? Dude comes up. I a, told hits you a yesterday. Bomb and his first, was it first first swing? Was it his first Dodgers swing? No, no, he struck out. He, okay. he struck out in the bottom of the second and then in the fifth, homer to center. Okay. And then in the seventh, single to left. And then in the eighth, a ground rule double. I told you yesterday. So he, this is he one had of the chance of the cycle last night. Oh yeah, he did. This is one of the worst trades of all time. I told you yesterday, this is how the Minnesota Twins can be this. I should have told Thad this because how the Twins could be this irresponsible to give away a future Twins Hall of Famer just for basically prospects makes me so upset. Really, it's true. I mean, yeah. In fact, you know what? 651-646-8255 if you agree with what Judd's been saying this whole time, you know which what is, this is Dozier should be locked up Five-year contract extension. This is all about the poll ads being cheap. There's no question in my mind. This is a this is a poll ad family problem. They won't keep these Hall of Fame players. Uh, my first thought was I got a, I, I wasn't paying any attention to the Dodgers game. It's it, those games start at nine o'clock, and I got a text message from my good friend Mike Trudell, who's from Minnesota originally. He was Wolves.com guy, and he's been Lakers.com guy for like seven or eight years. He's basically become an LA guy, and he texts just a one-word text: Dozier with an exclamation point. I'm like. I know exactly what this is. That dude hit a bomb, right? Yep. Classic Dozier, big splash. Mm-hmm. I did see a lot of uh, a lot of pushback in my Twitter timeline. You know, this is D- Dozier checked out with the Twins, and all of a sudden now he's engaged. I don't think it's checked out. I just think he pops up in the last two months of the year, like three or four times in his career, and now I wouldn't be shocked at all if this guy hits fifteen to twenty home runs over the final eight weeks of the season. And uh, maybe some big postseason home runs. So I, 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 I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. Yeah, it's fine. And, and I truly believe... You're rooting for him to get hit by some no, sort I'm, of a Metro no, Transit No, that's bus, absolutely but. not true. That's not true. And and I absolutely believe that that the move that was made with him being traded was necessary for, from both sides. I think it's a fine move. Mm-hmm. I think they had to do it. I think going through the exercise of trying to keep him here, for whatever reason, 
These guys decided long ago he wasn't coming back. I, if he was, they would have gone to him in January, right? Mm-hmm. And they would have said, here's a three- to five-year contract extension. They didn't. I think by this point in time, the move to sever ties with him and divorce from him was absolutely necessary, not only for the Twins, but for him. Good for Brian. I hope yeah. he does well. I All hope right, he I, does well. I've been thinking about this. Yesterday we brought up his lack of clutch numbers throughout his career. I mean, he's he's been in the big leagues now for, what, six seasons? I think actually parts of seven seasons now. And so it's it's not like small sample size alert here. He hits 195 in late and close situations, and we've talked about that a lot on our show. And, uh, and, and my guess, my question to you is, why does he get different treatment for failing so often in key late game situations than other athletes would, even in this town? Like I'm, I'm going through my mental checklist here. Yeah, give me when, names. When Jason Zucker and Devin Dubnik fail in the playoffs, so we're, we're talking biggest time of year. Uh, late games, you need a goal, and Jason Zucker, time after time, doesn't deliver in the playoffs, even though he has big regular seasons. Devin Dubnik, game kind of regresses at different points in the playoffs, right? Do we blame Bruce Boudreau and Chuck Fletcher for that? Like, if, if, if the Wild were to have traded Jason Zucker instead of signed into a contract extension, yeah. would we have been furious at the Wild front office? And let's say they had even pointed out, yeah, I mean, like, we just need more playoff production. We would have said, oh, okay, yeah, he doesn't perform in the playoffs. With Dozier, it's like we totally ignore the fact that he is atrocious late and close in the most important situations. Yep. Not that you should discredit the first inning home runs or the third inning home runs, but it's like it doesn't even factor in. for If you're criticizing the Twins front office for making this trade, it's like you don't even think about the fact that, yeah, this dude... <laughs> This dude's really bad late in games when when it's three to two, when it's five to three, when it's tied. But, right? he's, but he's previously hit a lot of bombs, and sure. we love that. In the second, here's inning. the thing. Here's the thing. I will give Brian, and and it's to his credit, but it fools us. He figured us out a long time ago. Brian Dozier was an expert at gaming the system, and by that I mean this. He became. He knew exactly what we liked. What, what we he, he hit. Home runs, and just as importantly, he was eminently likable, right? Like to the public, he's very likable. I'm I'm the spokesman. I'll talk to if, if we win or lose, I'll talk to, to the press. He he definitely got a big boost last July by speaking out against the trades that were made, and then the twins came back and won, and we all said, Oh my god, Doge was right. Uh I think there are some guys who come here and they're pretty bright guys, and they look at they look at the system here and they look at the fan base and they say how can I game it and they do it and he did an expert job he did a lot of things that fans in this town love I wouldn't say he's not genuine I think I think there is a layer of like cameras go on and you know Brian's gonna flash that smile but I've heard you know I'm not super close with him but I've seen him behind the scenes enough he's like he's he's an affable guy yeah he's very affable I just think there's but we like that we we love that stuff it doesn't have to be He's trash, he's a cancer, and he's worthless, and he complains about the front office. Like It doesn't have to be all or nothing. No. Or he's amazing, and the Twins made a huge mistake. I think it's somewhere in between. I think it's, well, he's 32 when the season starts next year. Um, he has a tendency to lack some self-awareness, and, and he's called out the front office a couple times in situations where accountability and self-awareness might be the better play. Yep. Uh, he... He's probably going to make or wants a lot of money, and they have Nick Gordon and, and Royce Lewis. I think I think there's a lot of middle ground here to be explored with why they made this decision. And again, he's going to hit like 15 home runs between now and the end of the year for the Dodgers. And he's going to go to the playoffs and probably. That, Good and for that, him. Right, and yeah. that doesn't have to mean 
that the Twins made a mistake. You're going to have to just accept the fact that he's going to get hot for the Dodgers. He might hit a couple big postseason bombs, and it was still the right move to trade him. And if you want to explore bringing him back in the offseason, you can do that. So I highly doubt that Of course, he one. hits a home run last well, night. Right, right. But I, I do think I, there, there comes times with uh, coaches, certainly, and, and with players occasionally, where it's just time for a change. Yeah. And I think he had gotten to the point where it, it was t- time for a change. And, and as Duke said, you know, he... He wasn't going to come out and and publicly demand a trade, but he was as happy to leave as 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 Falvin was to see him leave. Mm-hmm. And so there just comes a point in time sometimes where where a divorce in sports is healthy and necessary. This was was it. I hope he has success. I hope they go to the playoffs and do well. Uh, that being said, if he had stayed here, I do believe it had become counterproductive. As Matt points out on Twitter, unlike Zucker and Dubnik performing poorly in the playoffs, the only playoff game Dozier has ever played, and he went two for four with a bomb. For uh, it was a it was a leadoff bomb. Yeah, you see, that's fine. Like I'll give again, you this. I wish him, I wish him success and the best in Los Angeles. I do. Baseball's a little bit harder to dissect at times too, unless you actually go and break things down. Because until you brought up the fact that Dozier was ineffective late in games, I had no clue about that. Like, I can watch a playoff game and watch mm-hmm. Dumnik allow a weird, freaky goal and be like, okay, yeah. there's another weird goal. Or I, I can watch uh, Jason go from th- 32 goals during the season and then go to the playoffs and struggle. And I am acutely aware of the fact that he played five games and had no points. Until you brought up the Dozier statistics... I knew that he was incredibly streaky. I had no idea, though, that from the seventh on, he struggled that much. It is, I mean, com- confirmation bias in play if you're watching baseball. It's so easy to to, th- to think something about a player, and then, like, every little thing, if Joe Maurer strikes out once in the eighth inning with the bases loaded, it's like, aha, Joe Maurer's not clutch. I knew Joe Maurer wasn't clutch. So I think if you were to just pull casual fans, Brian Dozier and Joe Maurer over their careers, who's the more clutch hitter, people would say? Oh, Brian Dozier. Yeah. Because he hits bombs, right? I think that'd be the perception. But yes. but when I think of clutch, I think of okay, games on the li- runners in scoring positions. So you got to drive a run in. Uh, you know, it's it's late and close. Joe Mauer, runners in scoring position for his career bats three thirty three, which is almost a hundred points higher than Brian Dozier. Now mm-hmm. Dozier hits for more power, mm-hmm. uh, but we constantly, as a collective, rag on Mauer for his deficiencies, and we've ignored the deficiencies of Brian Dozier largely. Because he hits home runs and because he smiles and because he's got dirt on his uniform. Yeah. So and he talks saying, like, more. There's a middle ground here somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we discovered. Uh, ding, okay. ding. So Vi- I'll set this up. We'll just play these clips. So Vikings.com had a mic on Kirk Cousins at practice yesterday. And I thought it was, oh, take a look at this a little three minute edited, you know, uh, highlight reel of Cousins in the red zone and then Cousins interacting with teammates. And. My takeaway was, and I want I want to play this. The audience can decide. You can help me figure this out. I listened to these and, and watched the video, and the visual helps a little bit. And thought he's like really he's really socially awkward, isn't he? Yeah, just play. Is these. he has, has he been known as being socially awkward throughout his time in Washington? I don't know that, but just play these because you'll find out. Tom Compton and I used to be big into moon phases, like waning gibbuses, and really? yep. And then we got big into uh, periods of time, like uh, a fortnight is two weeks, a coon's age is three to seven years. Um, 
mega second is like 11 seconds or something, or like 11 days. Like the guys he's talking to are just stretching and like avoiding he, eye contact. Like, what is this guy? He talking is about? clearly, <laughs> he is clearly what what we have on our hands here as quarterback of the Vikings, a nerd. He's a geek. Uh, this is like it. he's talking about geeky stuff. This Steven Glansberg. Who's Steven Glansberg? Oh, it's it's yeah, it's from. Uh, I can't think of the movie, but it, it's it's a guy who sits by himself at lunch. Stephen okay. Glansberg. He kind of, but but with much whiter teeth and a much right. fatter checking account. Yep. Uh, this is this is him talking with Adam Thielen's what three year old son. <laughs> As Thielen kind of looks on, like I'm not sure what's happening right now. Asher, you're a rock star. Good ball security, man. <laughs> all right, I just had to say hi to Asher. That was all. I had to check in with him. Like walking away. Yeah, seems to be doing well. Sounds like the summer went well for him. I'm mic'd up today. Usually I would say that to say, protect what you want to say, but instead I'm going to say, give the fans something, all right? Today cannot be a complete practice unless you bring something to the table on the <laughs> mic. So you have about two and a half hours. Always think <laughs> Club Cambria looking nice today. <laughs> You know you're living life right if you're watching practice from Club Cambria. Oh, maybe, maybe uh, now that I hear them back, the visual might have made it. He's. It's okay to be a nerd though if you're a quarterback, as and, Andrew Luck has yeah. proven. You can be a nerd from the 1800s with an Amish beard and uh, lead the NFL in touchdown passes. So I that's think- kind of the first audio, uh, really, like that we've seen or heard of. Kirk Cousins at practice here in training camp so far. Go, going back and l- listening to that, if I was to rank the uh, three sound bites and the oddness of them, I would say the the most odd w- was trying to deal with Thielen's kid. The, second, the, vi- the visual the in fairness one, makes it more awkward. I love I love where he explains Fortnite. That's uh, Fortnite. That's uh, that's two weeks. That's a two week period. The last one was absolutely fine. Yeah, because he's just saying, "Hey, I'm mic'd up." But I think the first two are. Eh, interesting, but try the three-year-old. He told he had a great he had a great summer. He's just hanging yeah, out. It's I feel like yeah the visual I don't know I feel like we didn't do it justice on on the radio because him awkwardly walking away from the three-year-old and Thielen who are like trying not to pay attention to him is is a great visual. So I don't know, but hey, you nothing. Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. There's a little social awkwardness there with those guys, oh, like right? especially Eli. Luck, right, Luck is a weird dude. Yeah, you can be nerdy. And uh, and still be a, a really good quarterback. So yes, you can. Kind of funny, <laughs> it's just uh, funny. All right, when we come back here, I have some twins reckless speculation for you. All right, completely unfounded reckless speculation with payroll math included. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley, Oakley on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please continue on fifteen hundred ESPN. Chase Anderson, and now it's Dozier hitting a fly ball to center. Kane is back at the wall. Welcome to L.A. Brian Dozier. We're tied in the fifth. His first with the Dodgers and his second at bat. The Dodgers go back to back and even the score at two. That's Charlie Steiner. That is Charlie Steiner, voice of the Dodgers on radio, I believe. I, You know what? Now that I think about it, I think I got to write that down involving Brian Dozier for tomorrow's show. Because I think he's going to get to the playoffs and possibly do well this season.
Is he going to have a Kirk Gibson moment for them? I'm going to. You're going to have to wait till tomorrow. But I, I, I just thought of a write that down involving oh. involving my favorite second baseman to play for the Twins between the years 2012 and or 2014 and 2018. That's very disrespectful to Ira Adrianza. Oh, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's very hurt. Now. Or Forsythe now. Logan Forsythe. Yeah. Poor guy uh, got up, hit hit a shot, and grounded it into a DP yesterday. I think it was Pat. Pat came in, and he was Pat was in the clubhouse before the game yesterday. Logan Forsyth made his appearance in the clubhouse. Just like nobody got up to say hi. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, Brian, Brian Dozier walks in the Dodgers dugout two nights ago, and everyone turns around, yes, like hugs yep. and hand pounds, and yep. Forsyth walks in the Twins clubhouse. They're like and no crickets are just chirping. They're like not so much for you. All right, you and I have, and you know, actually, credit to Doogie for sparking this idea here, this this Manny Machado idea. We've been talking about this recklessly, I might add, reckless speculation for uh, for a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. I'm all in on the idea, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have said this about other big time free agents who just like who are going to command eight to ten year contracts because. It just wasn't realistic under the Terry Ryan. It wasn't realistic based on the Joe Maurer contract being on the books, mm-hmm. the old Terry Ryan regime. Terry, I, I really did like Terry in, in a lot of different ways. I think he fell behind the times the last couple of years of maybe even like the last, his second tenure. Sure. Um, and, and Terry was the old guy going to a movie theater for the first time in 10 years and like, balking at the ticket prices. Wait, $8 for a movie ticket? You're like, yeah, in, inflation, right? Yep. And so if there was a big, big free agent on the market, for a lot of reasons, for a long time, it was just a non-starter. I think the Twins should and might make a run at Manny Machado. All right. Number one, he's 25 years old. He's not 30. And Thad Levine even said that on our show yesterday. Thad Levine, I, we, we were joking, blink twice if, you, if you're going to sign Manny Machado. And he kind of humored us and he joked around. But then he goes, I will say, the fact that he's 25 years old and not 30 years old is going to make him a much different type of free agent compared to some of these guys who hit the market because he broke in when he was 19 or 20. Right. So the fact that he's not 30 and you're not going to waste his age 35 through 40 seasons but while paying him $30 million is a, is a big thing. But if you look at where the Twins are financially, they only have, according to my uh, crappy Buffalo High School uh, math, it's more on me, not Buffalo High School. They did a good job teaching math. I think you're blaming high school, but that's, go go on. $68 million tied up in payroll for next year. So that's, you know, Jason Castro makes eight, Addison Reed, eight and a half, uh, Michael Pineda makes eight. It's a lot of like seven, eight million dollar guys. Gibson, probably around seven in arbitration. Odorizzi probably around seven or eight in arbitration and, and so on and so forth. If you fill out a 25-man, and, and that includes a Phil Hughes $6 million chunk of money that you're eating to, to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. It includes a, an Irvin Santana $1 million buyout, a Lomo buyout. Um, and then if you were to fill out the remaining roster spots with just minimum wage guys, so it, all of that added up together is only $68 million. League average payroll for this year was $138 million. The twins spent like 120 million or something. Yeah. So even let's let's say don't even for, even if you're not committed to being a league average payroll, let's say you come in 10 million dollars below that mark for next year at a let's say you're comfortable at like 130 million dollars. And I and I've heard rumblings the last couple of years that they would be comfortable spending that. I mean they offered 20 25 million dollars a year for you Darvish, so they're they're comfortable spending in that range. Let's say 130 million dollars is the number. They'd have $50 million to spend for just 2019 alone. 
If you go to the next year, 2020, and now you get rid of Castro, he's off the roster, and Addison Reed's off the roster, and Rodney's $4.25 million, et cetera. Now you're talking more like $75 million in breathing room, and, and the Joe Maurer contract doesn't exist anymore. I think Machado's going to get about $30 million a year on like an 8- or a 10-year contract. All right. Now it's possible him and his agent might opt for thirty-five to forty million dollars a year on like a five-year deal, and he hits the market again when he's thirty years old. That that might be what I would opt for. But if somebody wants to offer a ten-year deal, maybe it's a little less money, average annual. Level. I think he's going to be like thirty million dollars a year, though. You could absorb that, and he'd be instantly your best player, barring an injury, for the next seven to eight years minimum. Mm-hmm. And you'd still have money left over to go sign other free agents if you want to, or to just have some padding for internal guys who are up for arbitration raises, guys who are looking at extensions on the horizon like Eddie Rosario, right? I just don't see a downside here to offering him crazy money over an 8- to 10-year period. So what's the worst-case scenario? You're paying him when he's 34, 35 years old? All right, he's probably still going to be really good when he's 34, 35 years old. And this front office has already shown they offered a nine-figure contract to you, Darvish. I could see them pursuing him. Yes. Like, yeah. Right. Like I, I, the end game I is like he'd have, that he'd have to want to play here. I, right. Like my my premise is you should make a serious run at Manny Machado, and it's not just yeah. Twins fanboy speak here, which I think they very well could do. I think this baseball um, administration would do. I guess my question is twofold. What, what's the list of teams that are going to pursue him? What, what does that list look like as far as teams that would come in and actually, if, if you made a very fair to even more than fair offer, would try and, and one-up you because they are, let's say, the Cubs, the yeah. Yankees, There's the Red Sox, teams yeah. like that. The other uh, point that I made to you off the air before the show is, in, in some ways, it's too bad that Harper's not having a better year because if Harper and Machado hit the market and Harper was hitting let's say 290 and and had his normal production mm-hmm. or had a very good year going I think you would have a few teams that would be in the Machado sweepstakes that might put that one aside and go pursue Bryce Bryce's year has been not that great I, I think he's still definitely hitting for power He'll but still the average like is way down bombs. he's going to make a lot but the point the point is I think if you were to sit down right now and and look at these two players and say okay we, we can pursue one which one I think you're definitely saying Machado right now yeah, I, yeah so those would be my two things is if Harper was was having a normal Harper year I think that you would have a handful of teams uh, that will now probably go after Machado, might bow out of that one to go after Bryce. Uh, but I think part of the problem here, too, is you are going to have have those teams that come in and say, okay, the Twins are are definitely making you a good offer, but we're going to go above that. And there comes a point in time where I think you have to bow out or that you would bow yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's the thing about baseball, too. It's like... In the NBA, five teams are going to offer the same max contract to somebody, and then he just gets to pick which team he wants to play for if teams have cap room. In theory, in baseball, there's always going to be seven or eight markets with $400 million a year TV deals or whatever, $200 million a year TV deals, and they can always just push more chips in the middle. Uh, so, yes, would would the Dodgers, barring luxury tax problems or whoever else, the Cubs, would they would they be able to outbid just based on the revenue coming in the Twins? Yes, but I think because the Maurer contract's off the books and because you have so much room between what you have committed and where you're comfortable spending, it should be a conversation at minimum this offseason. And I think it should be a pursuit. Here's the other thing, too. What's the narrative that 
that Thad Levine and Derek Falvey have walked into here. Some of the baggage that they've had to pick up, and it's not even it's not even on them. It's not their fault. It's that the poll ads are cheap, yeah, that and they... the Twins don't spend money. It's funny because the same people who complain about the Twins not spending money are the same ones that complain about the Joe Maurer contract, which has been this albatross for five years. And that these guys w- will then be cheap. Yes, yeah. that's definitely but, narrative. But you could, if, again, it's not about, to me it's not about what Machado makes relative to like anyone else you've ever paid. It's it's team payroll. And if you have this huge gap in team payroll right now from what you're spending now and where you want to be, you can fill it. You can fill half of it with Machado and still be in a really good spot. And most importantly, maybe you can shut up every critical fan that's putting all of this like 10 to 15 year Terry Ryan regime stuff on you. Yeah. You can come in and say, not that that's the primary reason why you would sign Machado, but it's a benefit. You sign Machado and you say, wait, I'm sorry. We, we won't do what? We just offered nine figures to you, Darvish. He turned us down, but the amazing, we're serious about this. The amazing thing is is you, you could sign him, and you would still get a, a segment of Twins fans who would stick to their guns. Well, they're still cheap. Well, no, they're not. I, there are so... the one, one of the things that frustrates me in this town continually is, and I don't know why, and, and I don't know if this is true across the board or if it's just a few uh, markets like us, the narratives that don't die. Like, the Twins are stuck in a narrative that, that won't die. The, the Twins are having a disappointing year. And there are things about this franchise that, if you pick them apart, will drive you crazy to this day. But there are also the these narratives that have existed. And I think the reason... I, I was thinking about this last night. I think I know why. I think I know why... Um, Twins fans, and that there's such a large segment of Twins fans that stick to the poll ads are cheap, the team won't spend, they built their ballpark, and they didn't go sign a bunch of guys. I think the fact that Carl offered the team up for contraction, and whether it was true or not, the story at that time was that Bud was going to take him up on that and that the Expos were going to be contracted in the National League. And I think that's why there's a certain segment of the population of Twins fans that will never get past that. And listen, I don't even know if contraction was real, but when you hear that your ball club is going to basically be folded, I think that has stuck with Twins fans to this day. Mm-hmm. I want to add to that. Let's take a quick break here, and if uh, if anyone wants to chime in still on the idea of Machado to the Twins or Twins and payroll, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Also, we're going to go through another round of NFL predictions, maybe even before this hour is over, just depending on uh, where this Twins conversation takes us. And later on, if you missed Thad Levine with us yesterday, we're actually going to play that back later in the show today, probably in the noon hour. So stick with us. It was it was an awesome 16 or 17 minute uh, honest interview from him, Roy Smalley at 1130. But to your point about narratives that won't die, there are two narratives, one negative, one positive in this town. One regarding the Vikings that's just 100% wrong, and we need to clarify that too. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Bill Mackie, Judd Zolgad. It's one of the funniest things that ever happened in sports. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Reckless! Speculation. Yeah, and I know it's probably not going to happen, but I would spend, hell, let's call it $35 million a year. The, the highest paid players in baseball 
are like $35 million a year right now. I would I would make Manny Machado the highest paid player in baseball or top three, $35 million a year on an eight-year contract to tomorrow, like if you could, um, if I were Thad Levine and Derek Falvey. And, and for people, a couple people have tweeted in, well, what about, like, where would Royce Lewis play? Um, well, I, I think Machado settles in at third base at some point. He could play shortstop next year and the year after for sure. And then eventually he would... Just like Cal Ripken did, just like just go to third, uh, back you know, to third base. They go back to third base. Yep. And Miguel Sano's my first baseman and or DH. He doesn't need to play. If he, no, I don't even need to be committed to Absolutely. Miguel Sano at third base. Um, to the point you were making about narratives, this this narrative that what the, the Twins don't spend, it drives me nuts too. And I was just telling you during the commercial break, you got one narrative over here: the the, the Twins are bargain bin hunting, which is ordinarily true. Like the Twins, if there's a Big marquee free agent on the market every offseason. The Twins, they did make a run at last year's marquee free agent, you Darvish. Thank God they didn't get him. But they don't normally even make a run at those guys. Okay, And that, and so that, that, that's a narrative that I guess is a reality. But then the other one here on the other side of town for the Vikings, or I guess on the other side of downtown for the Vikings, mm-hmm. is that the Vikings are always willing to spend big money, do whatever it takes, right? Kirk Cousins, do whatever it takes. $30 million a year for, for a quarterback. Uh, Brett, Brett Favre, whatever it takes, bring him in. Jared Allen, make that trade and then instantly make him the highest paid defensive lineman in football. The Wilfs have definitely spent that. Yep. Um, and so it's, it's framed as if the Wilfs are always willing to do whatever it takes. Like they're digging into their own pockets. Like he's going, like Ziggy is going on to his, to wellsfargo.com and withdrawing from his personal GoFundMe checking account. Going. We all know that. Yeah, to make sure that Kirk Cousins has a full roll of white teeth, right? Let's make sure that you're comfortable. And Jim Polad's just sitting in the corner, you know, trying to pickpocket fans at Target Field. I feel is it accurate to say that that's sort of what the narrative is? The narrative is one thousand percent that that the Twins, when in doubt, are going to be cheap. Yes, right. That's and, for sure. And right, and that Ziggy Wilf is the opposite. He'll spend whatever yeah. Tajma Ziggy downtown Minneapolis as if he's funding all these players, but it's all BS. Because if football operated like baseball did with no salary cap and instead of national TV money all pooled into one and divvied out the same to Green Bay as it is in New York, mm-hmm. the same in Jacksonville as it is in San Francisco, like it is like basically baseball has some revenue sharing, but the Yankees have a four hundred million dollar TV deal or whatever it is. The twins are maybe in that I think they might have signed a new deal now, like a fifty million dollar deal. Whatever there's a huge gap. And it's not like all that TV money in baseball gets pooled together and then evenly split up so that the small markets and the big markets, with a salary cap, by the way, in football that prevents owners from losing money, the salary cap prevents owners from losing money. Yeah. If you stripped away all that security and the salary cap and you just allowed big markets to feast on their own revenue and small markets figured out yourself, the Packers would be the Rays. The Giants would be Packers the would Yankees. Be gone. They, they, they wouldn't right. be there. They'd the ja- move. They'd the Jaguars. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's like we give credit falsely and and disingenuously to football owners like the Wilfs. Yep. And again, like the Wilfs have done a great job. I'm not trying to say they're bad owners. I'm yep. just saying we look at the poll ads and say, well, you know, why won't you dip in your billionaires? Why won't you dip in your own pockets? Ziggy does. No, he doesn't. Well, Ziggy operates within the okay. confines of revenue streams. Yeah, and it, but this conversation actually goes deeper, and it goes to this, and, and it goes back to a point that you brought up uh, when Terry was let go and Jim came out with, with the famous quote about, I'm looking through media guides to try and find our next guy. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at what their titles are. So, in Miami. so the so the, stere- the stereotypes in this case are very very simple to just surface ones, but they're really not. And here's where the poll ads have problems. Jim Polad, as far as ownership goes, is Joe Maurer. He's he's this he's sort of this milk toast person who you don't don't hear much from. Mm-hmm. Ziggy as a public speaker is not very good, but I don't think anybody doubts his engagement, right? And his enthusiasm. And you see him on the sideline. And Agreed. he's yeah. and, and, and he's, he's a really good owner. And he's excited. He, right, right. But he's I mean, a great NFL owner. He is inquisitive and he is engaged. And and we don't rip him for that because we don't feel it like he necessarily uh, delves into football issues, which is a smart move. So he does. So if you were to pick a guy and say, say of the people that own teams in this town, which one would you pick? I think the Wilfs would be the top one. And c- correctly so. Yes, yeah. because because they look like they care a lot. They do care a lot. And they do care a lot. But the point is, when it comes to Jim Polad, and I don't know the answer to this question, but Jim doesn't look like he cares that much, and, and he's a quiet guy, and he's sort of a quirky guy. Sure. And so people, people long ago formed the he's cheap assumption, but I think where you delve into this much more is it's also perception of personality. Okay, but here just to go back to the original point, I agree with everything you said, and and just in case there's confusion, I think Ziggy Wilf is a wonderful NFL owner, and I think Jim Polad has lacked curiosity a lot throughout his tenure. Um, some people have disagreed with me internally, but I just think it's pretty obvious over the now. I I really like what they've done building their front office systems the last couple of years. But we criticize Jim Polad for not dipping into the billions of dollars that he has in his own bank account and spending big on a Bryce Harper or Manny yeah, Machado. I see what you're saying. But every owner in sports is the same way, ex- with rare exceptions. Dying Mike Illich who said, yeah. I, I'll spend all my money to win a World but Series fans, in Detroit. But Phil, fan, fans will tell you that, that we built him... Right or wrong, they will tell you that we built pole at a ballpark, and they feel like they were promised so much more. Sure, but the same thing would happen for the Vikings if they weren't part of this advantageous for owners structure in the NFL. I mean, it's like the the Wilfs can't overspend above a, a certain point payroll wise. They're not even allowed to because there's a salary cap, and so every team in the every team in the NFL is basically on even footing when it comes to player payroll and. Um, and money that they can put forth to the product on the field. In baseball, it's all wide open, and it's all within the confines of how much money you bring in based on your market size. I mean, honestly, like, look at, you could do this every single year. The top payrolls in baseball last year, do you think it's a coincidence that it's literally like the six biggest markets in the country? Of course not. It's Boston, it's the Bay Area, it's Los Angeles, Chicago, Washington, D.C., New York, Los Angeles again, and then Houston is a top five market, and they're in the top nine for payroll. And I'm sure it's the Cubs, not the White Sox. Yeah, no, it's not. But the White Sox have been up there before, too, when they've been on on the winning swing. Uh, And so that's just how it works. If baseball ever decided, I don't think they will, we're going to share revenue a little bit more evenly here. Um, which the Yankees would say, why would we ever want to give up our Yes Network money so right. that the Rays can have more of a payroll, right? 651-646-8255. Steve, you're on the show. Hi, guys. I called me yesterday. How are you doing today? Good, Great. man. What's going on? So I wanted to touch on your idea, and I like that the, the Doogie brought up the, the flexibility. I wanted to kind of touch on that. Hey, if we sign a title, I'm all for it. Give the guy the money, write a blank check, whatever it takes, right? Uh, I actually want to give you some names. I wanted to see your thoughts, and I'll hang up quick. I got three guys, uh, Patrick Corbin, 
Carter Caps and Brandall the catcher. I just want to get your thoughts on free agency and then uh, hear your thoughts on that. Thanks, guys. Right on. Thanks, Steve. Um, so, okay, Carter Caps. I'm just going to kind of go off the top of my head a little bit here, but Carter Caps. It, he didn't. He was a Tommy John surgery guy a couple years ago. You're right. But before that, he was emerging into one of the better strikeout relievers in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 27 right I now. I don't yep. know. Like he's been so hurt the last couple of years. I don't know enough about him. I wouldn't be able to answer those specifically. But uh, was it Yasmani Grandal? Is that who he, he said yep. his last one? Catcher. Yeah. I mean, the Twins need a catcher. The, but the the first thing I would spend down in free agency is Manny Machado. Just would. I wouldn't have said that about almost any other Twins team. I wouldn't say that about a 30-year-old free agent, but I would say it about a 25-year-old who plays third base and uh, and Joe Maurer's contract comes off the books. 651-646-8255. Jeff, you're on the show. Yeah, I think... Uh, how are you guys doing, first right. of all? Good, Thanks man. for Thanks. taking the call. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, I think what people forget about is that free agents have to come here, too. It's on their, it's on their side, too. They have yep. to make that decision. And... If you know that a team is busting their entire payroll to pay you for 10 years or eight years or whatever, you know your team's going to be terrible for that entire time. And so if Chicago or New York or L.A. is willing to, you know, if, even if we match that money, there's no reason for anybody to want to come here. And I think with you're talking Machado, I think we're in a different situation than we've been in on that front. When you talk about the, the payroll space, that there's a chance that Machado could come here and he knows that there's room to build those pieces around and actually have a shot at building a winning team. I think that's a different situation than we've seen over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Thanks, and, Jeff. Yes, and, I, and, and and you can afford to have one of those contracts on your books. And the, the risk with the Joe Maurer contract, even when they signed it, was that he might not be a catcher when he's 32, 33, 35 years old. But when he signed it, he was 26 or something. Yep. With Machado, that dude can play third base for – the next 10 years. But he could play shortstop for a couple of years and then move to third base. To Jeff's point, too, though, I think if if you pursue him, this is one of those deals where you have to sit down with him and his reps with a leaflet book of your plan. Like, you can't is be... That, can it be a tablet? A I leaflet, think it's got to be... I think, I'd put together, little... I think I'd put together a binder for him. I don't know, man. He's for 25. Him, I... Yeah, but it, it'd be for him... His reps, his parents, possibly. You don't and want I would say, here's the twins. Here's the twins. No, I mean, it would be... It, look... If he wants me to Gmail it to him, I will. Okay, but this <laughs> is Mr. one of those Mr. Technology. But to here. Jeff, but to Jeff's point, this is not one where where you just say, "Hey, hey, Manny, great to see you. We're going to give you, we're going to give you all of our payroll, and then we're, we're going to suck." You go to him and say, "This is our like ten point plan, right?" And and if you're the key to this entire selling point too would be we're not going to go sign a ton of guys it would be we're going to sign you we're going to supplement with other guys we sign but most importantly we're building a good team here Mm -hmm. like you have to build that team so it can't just be we're the yankees and we're going to go spend on left field and center field you go and spend on him and then you give him a very pointed plan of how you're going to build this franchise around that player of course yeah so John, are you going to put together a presentation with like an overhead projector with slides? Is That's that... what I envision too. No, yeah. you guys are missing the point. I'm yeah. saying this is a this is a, a a book I put together, a three ring binder book, punch out holes too. Nice, right? And I give it to him, his representatives, probably his parents. Honestly, I just if somebody gave if me a says, binder, I would be out. Like it would be the end of the conversation. I would know that you're not. 
I would know that you're not one of the three most well, innovative franchises in baseball. On my year. computer for for you as well. I would have I would have multiple. I would have multiple, <laughs> Windows ninety eight. I would have multiple. I Oregon AOL Trail mail. Is up. Well, I got to close out Oregon Trail here. Sorry, Hold AOL on. mail. Listen, I am putting together a plan here that appeals to the entire cotton picking Machado family. Okay. This is not just uh, this is not just a pie in the sky thing. Uh, six, uh, did you just call Machado's family cotton picking? Come on, Judd. No, it's two thousand eight. No, I said pie in the sky. <laughs> I'm not. I'm coming up with a very good idea here. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Dan, you're on the show. Hey guys, how we doing? Good. Man. What's up? Hey, question. So Judd kind of hit what I was saying. Um, I kind of take Dozier and Maurer like Ziggy and the Polats. When I, my kids were younger, we always went to Twins Fest, okay? And to me, Dozier was always very approachable. Ziggy is always very approachable. You know what I mean? So for people that don't like Dozier, it's because, you know, fans like him. We're consumers. We buy the tickets. We buy the jerseys. And he's there. Mao is kind of like super nice guy, I'm sure, but nobody knows who he is. He's not very approachable. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. I actually think Maurer's. I feel like Maurer is approachable, He's, but not a twin fest. Not you don't you don't see him like when it's a double or a triple. You don't. That's not his style. That's kind of like the Polands. That's not, they don't come out that much. And you don't know them. I, I get your point. No, no you're. You no, feel you're like right. you don't know them. Sure, but I I'm think. Cons- yeah, I think. Yeah, cons- I think. Like, thanks, Dan. I think. Like, I think I get what he's saying. Maurer's very approachable, especially for a guy who's. Who's who's been that famous at times during his career, but I get what you're saying, like dynamic personality yeah. and sort of figurehead type or face of franchise. Dozier, Dozier, whether it's on purpose or not, Dozier played the system here very well. Maurer doesn't care, and it's not his personality too. And yeah. the pole ads, the pole. I mean, if, if if you think about it, you know, you don't really see Jim much. When when you do, he doesn't say much, and people here. We are we are very picky about what we want and what what we like, and for all we talk about being being such nice people, we're actually not that nice. Uh, by the way, Tiger with a birdie on two, he's minus one for the day. Tiger minus one. So I throw that out there. Uh, Tim, you're on the show. <laughs> yeah, see, um, I originally called in to kind of disagree with you guys, but now I'm not sure if I'm about to say agrees or disagrees with you. But <laughs> and now you love I us. Like, no, I don't know either I half like, the time. <laughs> I feel like. Um, the twins are just part of a small, the small market narrative. I don't think what I don't think we're it's exclusive to us to have this narrative that our owners are cheap. I feel like it's just, we're part of that same group, like with the Brewers and the whomever's that just yep. we realize that our owners just don't have as much money. Um, the narrative that I thought was never going to die, that I feel is starting to die, is I was getting a little. I'm not a big analytics guy. I'm a few years older than uh, Judd, so I'm kind of old school. But I feel like we were late to the game on that, and that was getting a little annoying. But I just feel like we're just part of a, a club that's all the uh, the small market teams that realize that our owners just don't have as much money as the big guys. Yeah, and, and there's a distinction, Tim, too. Thanks for the call. It's not that they don't have money. They're all billionaires. It's that their revenue stream is much smaller than the top seven or eight markets in baseball. And almost every owner in sports, there might be two baseball owners that – actively take a loss to try and boost payroll on a yearly basis for like more you know, for like an extended stretch. Mm-hmm. And um and so I you know, back to the original premise 15 minutes ago. I just find it funny that we praise other owners, the Wilfs or man, look at the 
you know, look at the the Yankees are always going out and getting, yeah, because they've got $200 million more coming in on the Yes Network every year that they don't have to share with the Green Bay Packers, right. like, the, like the New York Giants have to share the Fox deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the, and the Green Bay Packers. And the, the important thing in baseball now, too, though, is, is you can compete. The A's are tied for the wild card lead. And look at the A's. N- name me five Oakland A's. Um, the Brewers are de- are competing, so so you can compete. What we're talking here is: Do you have savvy enough front office people in your baseball department to know who to go get? And most importantly, for a team like the Twins or the A's or Brewers, can you build a team through through your draft and through trades that can compete? And I think the answer now is yes. I agree with Let's that. Let's take one more here, Jesse. You're on with Mackie and Judd. Hey guys, uh, I love the topic. Um, the thing I kind of find frustrating about the discussion is we talk about the revenue like it's something the team can control. Um, the TV deals are a big part of this. Yep. Uh, in 1997, Home Run Sports was sold, which owned MSC. The Twins uh, put in a bid for it but failed. The next year it was sold again to Fox Sports. Twins put in a bid and failed. Twins tried Victory Sports and failed. And the Twins have signed poor contracts with no revenue or no stake in Fox Sports like many of the other teams have done. Um, I I look at a guy like Dave St. Peter who's failed like four times on TV revenue and say, what the heck is he doing? Why do we keep giving this guy opportunities when he screwed it up so many times? Well, I Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. um, The Victory Sports thing, he's right. And I don't know, okay, on Victory Sports and and the, the launch and quick demise of that, I don't think that Dave is the main culprit there uh, but for the for the ownership of that team and victory sports by the way the idea made sense the timing was just moronic mm-hmm. victory sports was launched with the team starting to turn a corner which was great only one problem they were still in pursuit of a stadium and basically told their fan base but you can't get our games so so when it Actually, when it comes to some of the business decisions of this team, mm-hmm. I have a bigger problem with those than actual on-field at times. On-field decisions, uh, first time around with Terry, were pretty damn good. The second time around, to bring him back after Bill Smith was a mistake. Mm-hmm. But if you look at how this team has attempted to execute some of its business dealings, you've got a bigger problem there. And Victory Sports was number one. Yeah, I actually have... Uh, well, this has been kind of an unexpected, fun conversation over the last couple segments. Uh, there was an article on Fangraphs.com that listed, according to various reports across the country, how much money, as of two seasons ago, each franchise brings in on its current TV deal. Okay. And so I'll, I'll tell you where the twins rank. And it's just, it's, it, I don't know if it's 100% true, but we'll get to it. And also, we have uh, Minnesota sports prop bets and over unders at 10 o'clock. Roy Smalley, 11 30. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. For help choosing our finalists for Sportscaster Idol, our judges have narrowed down the field to the top 10, and those auditions have been posted on our website. After watching them, vote for your favorite. You can vote once daily. The contestant with the most votes will join the judges' three picks on stage at the State Fair for the Sportscaster Idol finale. Check out all the auditions at 1500ESPN.com, keyword idol. All right. Thank you, James. 
Mackie and Judd. Well, just a couple more minutes on this, and then, and then we'll get off of it. Although I think it's more interesting. Maybe just be, I, I didn't. It beats I didn't realize the season. Was, yeah, I didn't realize it was going to be this interesting. It beats what's happened the season. So just the economics of baseball compared to other sports, NBA and NFL. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of national TV, especially the NFL. It's it's national TV deals with Fox and CBS. You, you don't have Fox Sports North running Vikings games. It's national TV deals, and then they split basically all of that. And so the Green Bay Packers are able to bring in like three hundred million dollars. They're able to bring in a similar amount as as the big markets in in uh, the sport. In baseball, there is revenue sharing, but when the Dodgers bring in two hundred million dollars a year for their TV deal and also own one hundred percent of the network that runs the game, so that bump that number up even higher in terms of like the value they're getting out of their network. They are they don't have to share that equally with the smaller markets. So Fangraphs has a piece, 2016, this was written, so things might have changed, and, and they just collected reports from around the country. They did some research, and the figure that they have for the Twins is $37 million a year. I know it used to be 29, so I don't know if it goes up year by year. Probably, yeah. It was a deal that was signed pretty early in the Target Field tenure, and it was like a 10-year contract with Fox Sports North. Mm-hmm. So the Twins bring in, according to this report, $37 million a year in TV revenue, which puts them in the bottom 10. It's, it would be like 20th or 22nd. Mm-hmm. Part of that's because it's the 15th market, not the 5th. Another part of it, too, I was told a few years ago by someone in the Twins front office that the the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area actually has a lower percentage of cable and satellite subscribers that than was almost true. any market in, in the major that leagues. That was absolutely true for a long, long time. Yeah, yes. that it was that in Boston, 97% yep. of people subscribe to cable and satellite, but in the Twin Cities, because we like to be outside and whatever... It was like 80% and that's pre, or something. pre-cord uh, cu- cutters. Correct. So yeah. now it's probably even more. It's yeah. even more. Well, lower. you have to think that cord cutting affects everything sure. equally. Um, so, so you're wondering, well, okay, well, why can't the Twins punch with some of these other markets in terms of free agents without dipping into their own checkbooks? Well, the Dodgers pulled in $204 million in 2016 in TV revenue and have 100% ownership over their network. The Twins pulled in... 37 and have no ownership stake in Fox Sports North. Uh, the let's go to the the Mariners. So the Mariners comparable market, Seattle, right? Well, their TV deal is twice as much in revenue coming in, and they own three fourths of the network that runs their games. So they're getting they're getting right. You know they're getting value in terms of equity as well. Uh, the Phillies. $60 million, so double what the Twins deal is, and they own 25% of the network that runs their games. So you're seeing a pattern here of not only are a lot of other franchises bringing in double, triple, or in the Dodgers case, like quintuple the money that the Twins bring in, mm-hmm. they own large chunks of the networks that they partner with. If I'm correct, within the last five years or so, too, the Cardinals and Diamondbacks have signed huge uh, TV deals in their markets as well. The But this is why, this goes back to the reason why, if you were going to try the victory sports idea, you had to make sure it was going to work. Mm-hmm. Like to try and do it when you were still stuck in the dome and going and going and trying to get public funding for a new stadium and then saying, but that public can't see our games because we are per- perceived selfishly now taking them to our own network. The they would have been far better off to get into Target Field and then try that because the only way to the only competition that they were going to create was if they created it themselves and made sure it worked. Because then, if you create 
a network and let's say you sell 25% to the Wolves and get them, you keep the ads from that. There's lots of stuff. So mm-hmm. the the Victory Sports failure is a big deal in retrospect because it basically cut off the the ability to have a network to go to Fox and say, pay us big or we're gone. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Hey Tom. Okay, guys. Question for you: The sure. full ads make most of their money in what? Is it banking, real estate? Where do they make their money? In? I couldn't tell you what what their pie chart of family revenue is okay. right now. Couldn't tell you. My okay. My thing is: Why do the twins, as an organization, have to make money? Why can't they just break even, spend more money on free agents, and then the full ads can make their money? on their other projects. Why do we always have to just spend just enough to be pretty good? Why can't we spend more and maybe have the twins as an organization break even financially? I mean, I can answer that, Tom. I mean, Tom, Tom, I get it. Tom, I can answer that very simply. Do you know how much the Wills are making off the Vikings right now? And part of it, to their credit, is their patience. But... They've got, let's see here, they, they've got a stadium that they put a lot into, but they've got public help as well. Seat licenses. Egan, yeah. same thing. So, so yes, they, they went and found the land, good for them, and they put a lot into that, but they got help as well. Mm-hmm. I can't think of an owner, and there might be a few here and there, but you name me, you name me a large chunk of them in any sport who say, uh, you know what? This year, I I don't care. I don't care that much. Now that that doesn't mean that they're not invested in the product, the team, and that they don't care. And that's why I think I think if Jim Polad ran around and was more publicly out there and talking about, I'm really excited about this, and Derek and Thad are doing a great job, and I just why Twins baseball, Twins pride. I think we'd be like, this is this is fantastic. Yeah. But, but the, Jim, the, Pol- the Wilfs wouldn't do that either. Like the Wilfs wouldn't take a loss. On no, the the, but that's my point. It's Jim Jim Polad, Ziggy Wilf, Leopold, Leopold signed because I know the come come back to this is going to be Parisian suitor, thirteen year con. Do you know why he did that? Because the building had stopped selling out, mm-hmm. and he knew that to move product as far as tickets go and merchandise and to sell jerseys, that if he signed these two guys to mammoth contracts, he was going to make more than he had to pay mm-hmm. them. There's not there's not a large group of guys who are just like I want to win so much I don't care. Yeah, it's I get it from so, a, I get it from a fan perspective, and you're looking at a family with. You know, a lot of commas in their uh, net worth. Sure, and I get it, but but you could let's let's play that game for a second. Okay, the twins all of a sudden the pull out is like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna kick this payroll up fifty million dollars, and we're gonna take a bath here because we love winning and we love the twins and the fan base. Well, then, if the top seven markets in baseball, all of those owners said the same thing. Oh. Well, this kind of sucks, but Steinbrenners are like, all right. Well, I guess we have to go up to three hundred million dollars to protect, uh, you know, against other players signing with smaller markets. Like, where where do you draw that line? And I've just come to terms with the fact that billionaire owners don't you don't become a billionaire by lighting all your money on fire, and that's no, the way they operate. So, all right, Minnesota sports prop bets and over unders. When we come back later on, Roy Smalley will join to talk Twins. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. People, people. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout on 1500 ESPN. Some people celebrate the holidays, but you, you dominate the holidays. You deck the halls, the mantle, and anything else that will stand still. You deserve a bold, cold brew that's as festive as you. 
topped with creamy cookie butter cold foam, covered in cookie butter crumbles, and perfectly pairable with our new cookie butter donut, Dunkin's Cookie Butter Cold Brew is a delicious match for your decked-out domination. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.